We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome into the NBA front office show. Happy Friday. The NFL is back. The NBA just a few weeks behind. We're going to have training camp starting up in just a few weeks. So we've got plenty of news to dive into as well as well, international news. Some bad things happened this morning with Team USA. Joined by Keith Smith. I'm Trevor Lane. Keith, how are you doing today? I'm good, man. I, I'm not going to lie. I'm a little annoyed. Yeah, I'm a little aggravated that Team USA lost. Mm-hmm. A little you know, cranky about it. It's uh, my kind of last bastions of like a rational fandom are Boston college football, even though they do nothing but ever disappoint. And then team USA related stuff. So whether it be basketball or soccer or whatever it is, I'm, you know, I'm passionate about rooting for our country, you know, in whatever competition it is. And when they fall short, especially one that they're heavy favorites or should win in, it's it, it's annoying and um you know that's i guess the best way i can put it is i'm uh i'm, I'm annoyingly aggravated or aggravatingly annoyed however we want to put it but i'm a little cranky today about that yeah same um let me ask you this because i came to a realization for myself personally do you care about sunday's game the third place no. game me no. either okay Not. so because I, I was feeling bad like because it's team usa like i should care or whatever i i do not care at all all i want like they if they if they chose they're not going to do this but if they just skip the game i'd be totally fine with that all i care about right now is that the nba players get back healthy yeah that's it yeah everybody everybody you know ball sides get back healthy no more injuries let's get everybody back so they're they're ready to go for the start of the season yeah. but yeah it's um maybe it makes me you know an elitist and you know an ugly american in this case but yeah i don't i don't care about bronze medals in the world cup i don't care about them in the olympics i you know it's gold or nothing you know at this point for this team anything Mm -hmm. less is you know seen as a failure and and that's i say that with a complete recognition of team usa can no longer show up with any 12 dudes and just win these tournaments that's Mm -hmm. that that has not been the case for years now they need to show up with the best players and those players need to be ready to go and ready to play because the other teams are that good now and it's, you know, that's, that's the thing for me is we continue to deprioritize collectively the World Cup efforts, which is fine, I guess. But and maybe that's on me for still continuing to have high expectations, because if our best aren't going to go, 
they're we're probably not going to see the best results anymore. It's just that's just the reality of it. If we send a you know a B or C or less team, we're probably not going to win. It's just that's the way it's going to go. And yes, in this case, I you know I'm very loath to use the term we when talking about sports teams, but it's our country, so I'm going to mm-hmm. talk about it in terms of we. Um, so that part gets very frustrating to me. Is like we like I do still care, and I know a lot of people who do care, and it's just you know, not good. So that's, that's the, the frustrating part of it. And I get it. They'll probably have the A team or, you know, really close to the very the best team they can send in the Olympics, but that's a year from now. And we'll worry about that when it's there. And I, I'm kind of the approach of like, Hey, if there's something to win, let's go win it. Cause otherwise, you know, well, what are we doing? You know? So that's, that's what that, that's where I'm a little at. So yeah, I struggle and I, I already decided I'm just going to record it. I'm not getting up at, you know, four or whatever yeah. in the morning on a weekend. And, you know, I was like, I'll just sleep in and I'll watch it later if it's worth watching. And I, I guess I care a little because it's against Canada and all that, which is, you know, disappointing that that's not the gold medal matchup. But yeah. Serbia and Germany had other plans. Well, and I think that Sunday's game is now, and by the way, there are, there are other teams that are missing some some players too that aren't with their best players. It's not just the the U.S., so maybe that's a little bit disconcerting. You know, Jokic isn't playing, Giannis isn't playing, but again, you know, some of these teams did better than others. Um, but for Sunday's game, man, like it's it's kind of a bummer because Team USA and Canada would have been a lot of fun in the final, and now they're in the third place game, and, and again, just don't really care about it. But really, from the U.S. perspective, it's a no win. It doesn't mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what yep. happens in that third because here's here's the problem: if they win. It's well, it's Team USA. You're expected to win. How dare you come home with the bronze? It's it's a negative, even if they win. If they lose, yeah, it's a little oh, bit yeah. worse, right? People will say, Oh my gosh, you didn't even get a medal, and you know, that type of stuff. But no matter what, the reaction is going to be negative. They can go out, they could blow Canada out by 50. It wouldn't matter. It's yeah, still going it's to be a, a negative, it's still going to be a negative reaction. So it's a it's a no-win scenario. Yep. So Training camps are a few weeks away. What you and I care about most is the NBA. Of course, we'd like mm-hmm. Team USA to win. But, I mean, I'm sitting there thinking from the Lakers' perspective, I'm like, can Austin just start resting now? Does he yeah. have to play? Does he? Ha-? And sure. I know I'm not alone. Fans of a lot of teams are, are – I'm seeing the same discourse in social media. Does does my guy have to play in this game, or can he start resting? Because, tra- like, clock's ticking. Training camp is coming. That's where, where you start getting concerned. And, again, this is a no-win to play in this game. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I've seen some uh, Wolves people saying, hey, Anthony Edwards has carried kind of a high usage rate considering it's Team USA, and he's taken some hard hits. And I've seen some of maybe it's best if he just doesn't play or they go half speed or whatever. But you're absolutely right. Yeah, they lose, and it's going to be, you know, they're they're a joke, right? It's like Mm -hmm. you didn't even meddle. And if they win, it's like, cool, no one cares. You enjoy your bronze, right? So I'm with you. You know, yeah, my my whole thing is I hope now the rest of the way, even for Germany and Serbia, which I will watch that, it's, you know, because the reality is it's also going to be the final competitive, like, men's basketball game until we get to the – NBA preseason. So like I, you know, that's going to be the last, well, I guess we've got some of these G league things going on, but it's, um, you know, there's uh, so that that's part of it too. But I, you know, I, I, yeah, I just want all the NBA, you know, related guys. I mean, I want everybody, obviously. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying everybody else can get hurt except for the NBA. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. But yeah, but selfishly we cover the NBA. I want 
you know, on every team had, you mm-hmm. know, full strength going into the season. So that said, you know, it was, it was humorous. You and I had a pretty good laugh about it before the show. Cause you put up <laughs> kind of a little recap tweet uh-huh. about team USA. And then I, I think you use the rocket emoji for, uh, right. for us. Which is funny. I'm, I, by the way, I'm no expert in emojis. <laughs> and so what is conveyed by an emoji? Like different people will take different things, but, yeah. but yes, go ahead. <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, Paul Pierce, you know, supports your use of the rocket emoji. He no, just Paul Pierce uses, a uses a screenshot of the yes, rocket emoji. that's right. <laughs> <laughs> he, um, he was like, it was like the clip art thing. Sure. Oh. It, yeah. Right. And I, but I replied with, you know, Reeves, what? Like, is there not two ends of the court? Which I think is a fair criticism. We can get into that, and it's not. Sure clearly not just austin reeves let me be very clear and part of that was just right you and i like to dig at each other on occasion when we sure can. oh no but, i didn't i i took no no offense by of course, it right? but the, com- the comments had a good time <laughs> yeah so the comments had a good time and one of them which unfortunately i think the, the person deleted because i can't find it now said oh no this is like my parents fighting but this is way worse <laughs> because i like you guys more than i like my parents like is that is that a compliment to us is that a dig at their parents maybe Maybe both i took it as we're great and his parents suck so but we'll see yeah i know maybe his parents are great too but we're just like we're incredibly great i I don't know but we're on another level yeah to to pull it back to basketball related yeah austin reeves had his struggles defensively really throughout the bulk of the competitive games in the world cup we saw he got targeted at times Mm -hmm. teams took him down on the block that is one takeaway where i think you could see teams go mismatch hunting a little bit against him in the nba we'll see gonna happen yo how how that all plays out yeah especially yo in certain lineups right where there's there's definitely lineup constructions where he's going to be the worst or next to worst defender for the Lakers because they have some good defenders. Um, but it was not just Austin Reeves. And that was by no way my intention. Cause a lot of people were like, Oh, you let, you know, this guy off the, it was, it was you, more, I was the, having fun with my buddy. The, but what abouts else. come but, in? Yeah. yeah. But it, that said, those are fair. This was a miserable defensive performance mm-hmm. team wide. They about with, I guess it was maybe six, seven minutes left. They kind of locked in. And got multiple stops. It was how they get back into it. To be fair to Austin Reeves, he was a big part of that on the offensive end. Mm-hmm. He was making some plays. Um, but did overall defensively just just a mess. They're rebounding atrocious for you know, really uh three out of the last four games against Montenegro, against Lithuania, and now against Germany, all teams that are pretty big, pretty physical. Um, but beyond that, my bigger problem, because we know those things are gonna happen was if you're going to go small with Jaron Jackson Jr. or Paulo Bancaro or Bobby Portis or even the baffling few minutes Walker Kessler played, if you're going to go that small, you can't get beat on the perimeter as easily as they did. Yeah. You have to be locked up tight on the perimeter in the guys. And they were getting back cut, straight line drives off the dribble. Um, Dennis Schroeder, I mean, they made Dennis Schroeder today look like he's you know going to win the MVP next year he was just getting wherever he wanted on the floor and even when he wasn't scoring which he did more of late he was creating everything and even in that case because i saw a couple of people be like he only had like at the time it was like he only has like five assists Uh yeah but he's the one getting him in the blender he's drawing that he makes the first pass which draws the rotation which then opens up the guy on the backside for it so it just just awful, awful, awful defense. And you know, you shouldn't if you're team USA and you shoot in the high fifty percent, 
you should be blowing teams out. You shouldn't be getting killed uh, like that on the defensive end of the floor. And they absolutely did. You know, and credit to Germany, they made shots and made plays all game long. Their execution was very high, but a lot of that was against some very, very poor defense. Yeah, I mean, look, you're not going to win a game if your opponent shoots 58% from three. Uh, I'm sorry, from the field, 43% from three, which is still really good, and grabs 12, 12 offensive rebounds. Think about this, Keith. Germany missed a total of 30 field goals in the game. They had they 12 offensive that. rebounds. Yeah. That's yeah. I mean, that's that's absurd. Yeah. You can't get crushed on the glass like that. And again, that's part of that is you look at the bigs, you look at okay, Jaron Jackson Jr. What you know, you're not doing doing your job in there and rebounding. Paula Bancaro only had two rebounds, but it's across the board. They were getting beat up consistently. And this isn't just a this game problem, this is a many games problem that we've seen with Team USA. The turnovers were an issue as well. Those did even out a bit as the game went on, but yeah. largely it was the glass that that crushed this team, that crushed Team USA. I also think, I don't, you know, people will criticize Steve Kerr. Look, if they won, people would praise Steve Kerr. They lost by a, by a bucket, so you wind up criticizing him, but I think it's fair to say the starting unit was a problem the entire cycle. The entire yeah. cycle, they were getting they were getting off to slow starts, digging a hole, and having to battle their way out. They did it at the beginning of the first. They did it, and they battled their way back. They did it at the beginning of the third. What happened was Team USA, they have the big advantage with their bench. Germany's bench is in. Team USA's bench is in. Team USA's bench, they've got more depth. They would close that gap there. Well, in the second half, Germany was playing their starters that much more, and Team USA, again, allowed their their first unit, allowed a, a big lead to go uh, to go the other direction. And next thing you know, you don't have time to battle back. They tried, but that starting unit, just the ball movement was not good offensively. There's some good defensive upside and potential, but it was rough. It was rough, and it was something that never truly got addressed. And I wonder how much of it was ego, how much of it is. I know Jalen Brunson was a leader on the team, but man, does that ball stick. And I like Jalen Brunson a lot. This is not a criticism of him, more skill set-wise. You had Halliburton sitting right there wouldn't have made some sense to have Brunson be a scorer off the bench for you and Halliburton be a ball mover uh, in the, that opening unit, but didn't go that way. And uh, I think it really hurt Team USA. Yeah, for sure. And I, going back to the big man issue, like we get it. The best big men in the world are not Americans. Mm -hmm. The best American big man is Anthony Davis. In his days of, maybe his days of playing for Team USA period might be over. Yeah. Right, just at this point in his uh, basketball career, he may oh, not. Oh God, Keith! If he was right? playing in this tournament, my hair would be gray by this yeah, point. Absolutely. I would be so nervous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that and that's part of it, right? I mean, it, it's for the vast majority of American-born NBA players, the priority is NBA, Olympics, everything else. Yep. Right. It's anything else for American. Let me be clear: that's American-born NBA players. For a lot of these other guys with their national teams, it's still the international competitions are right on par with the NBA. Cause I don't want to suggest that they care about this more than the NBA. Cause I don't know that that's the case, but it's clearly for American born players. It's less of a, less of a priority. So then you go to your next best guys, probably Bam Adebayo. And my guess is he'll probably be there for the Olympics mm -hmm. and that'll help some, but Jaron Jackson jr. To be fair to Jaron Jackson jr. He's being miscast as a five. That's not what he is. He's a four who plays some five for the Grizzlies has been his entire career. His, he is not a true five man. He's not a great rebounder. 
Yeah. But if you're going to build a roster where your bigs aren't great rebounders, then your wings and guards better be. And I believe the leading rebounder for Team USA in the entire tournament was Josh Hart. And that's Josh Hart's a very good that, rebounder for his. That position. is his specialty, but he is a guard. But yes, exactly, he's a guard wing, and I think he he averaged six rebounds per game. Now with Team USA, a lot of the stats are a little little mooted because yeah. they're you know they they play you know nobody plays 30, 35 minutes for them. Um, right. you know, they're playing 25, 30 minutes is a lot. So it's a, yeah, it's, but that's, that remains a problem, right? That's something they're going to have to figure out because there just aren't really good big men. And that's been a problem in other cycles and they've gotten past it mm -hmm. generally with relative ease in some other competitions when they have the very best players there, but it is something they're going to have to figure out because we figure at the Olympics, Nikola Jokic is going to be there. Mm -hmm. Presumably, Joel Embiid will be playing for somebody next summer, whether that's France, um, whether that is there's still talk now, which maybe Team USA puts the full court press on and mm -hmm. says, come play for us. Like, we need you, big fella. Let's go. But, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see, you know, and if they could, that's obviously a massive, you know, benefit to them. But, yeah, I mean, this, this interior defense issue is going to be a problem. The rebounding is going to be a problem just because they 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 don't have those guys there. There's no more Dwight Howards. There's no more, you know, of those guys who they, that's what they do is lock down the boards. Even Tyson Chandler when he was playing a lot for for Team USA, that yeah. was you know he was a good rebounder, good interior defender. Like we they we just don't have those guys right now. Well, and that's a part of that is the the shift we've seen in the NBA game. If you're a big and you want to get paid, you either have to be an elite rim protector or you've got to be able to shoot the three so for most bigs who maybe in in you know 10 years ago would become just fantastic rebounders they're not spending as much time and yep. they're spending more time working on their outside shot because that's how you get paid because that's what the nba game more and more is is requiring um i'm trying to think like who is the next guy up i mean walker kessler was on the roster wasn't used very much, uh, you know, a year from now, what does he look like develop developmentally? That's something to to certainly consider. But who else can you turn to, really? I mean, there's a few young guys that are kind of up and coming, but yeah, it's 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 a little tough to picture who really mans the middle that solves the rebounding problem. If not, Joel Embiid. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's there. I think it's going to have to be uh, team wide. Right. It's going to have to be we we load up yeah. on really good rebounders across the board and just you know try to do it as a team. And some of it is it's going to have to be guys who are not afraid to do the dirty work and get in there, get a little gritty, you know, lock yeah. in, you know, box out, do do all that little stuff. Um, You know, it's not this isn't just pull the, the 12 best American born players and throw them in there. You do have to consider some skill set and that sort of stuff. That said. You, you, you know, we're hearing Stephen Curry's finally saying, Hey, maybe I'll do it. Uh, yeah. you know, a lot of the other guys, and, and we know, especially after Team USA loses, a bunch of the guys are like, All right, now we're, we're back in, and it helps right. that it's an Olympic uh, team as well. So, so we'll see where it goes. But yeah, just d disappointing. Um, on the, the, the winning side front, Dennis Schroeder's looked really good. You know, all tournament mm -hmm. Germany's the, the only undefeated team. Uh, left in this thing so they could have an undefeated run all the way to the gold if they beat Serbia uh, Franz Wagner looks good looks healthy which is really great Daniel Tice played he looked amazing. excellent 
Yeah, well, he, he he made the U.S. look really thin with the bigs. By the exactly. way, like he yeah. when Dan, when Daniel Tice is crushing you, you've got a problem. Yeah, you've yeah, got a Daniel problem. Tice is. I like Daniel Tice. I think he's a good good oh, player. Sure. But yeah, but he was really giving him giving him the business. But that's also he does all that dirty work, right? He's in there boxing mm-hmm. out and you know sacrificing his body and all those other things. You know that a lot of the other guys don't too. On the other side, you know uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich has been excellent all tournament long. Um, and has really played well. And then, um, uh, uh, gosh, um, uh, Nikola Malutinov, um, whose draft rights are held by the Brooklyn Nets, played great. You know, if you want to uh, do some uh, Google Translate or Twitter Translate on some tweets, I had a tweet about him. <laughs> so um, mad at you. There, there's some uh, pretty funny insults in Greek that came back that, that have been making me laugh all morning. It's funny. I don't. I don't think people realize sometimes a lot of these things, they don't really bother me too much. Like a lot of times it's, they're, they're more just funny. It make me laugh. And, and a handful of these did, because if we know anything, you know, you're a lot of Europeans can be very, uh, very witty with, with their insults. They, they tend to be pretty good. So sometimes they don't understand all the references, but you know, that's just you know, me, me being an American, but, but they are, they are pretty good. So, but yeah, I mean, it should be a fun final. And then, you know, the bronze, man, like we said. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, uh, it's unfortunate, but hey, get through this game on Sunday. Come home, stay safe, all all that sort of stuff. Um, okay, let's. I know we've got a, a I got a bunch of other things to talk about here today. Let's get into into this. Uh, Trey Murphy does have surgery on his knee, so he will be out ten to twelve weeks. Um, that could be towards the end of November, maybe that that we see him back. Maybe by the time he gets like up to speed, maybe, um, which I mean, the NBA season starts at the end of October. So you think, okay, maybe that's not so bad. All things considered, but remember very tight race in the Western conference injuries are going to matter a lot. Obviously there'll be time to make up ground, but, uh, not ideal for the Pelicans to now be going into the season without. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Probably their their biggest three point threat here in, in Trey Murphy. Oh yeah, 
Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, I mean, going to play a huge role. We talked about it a little bit when we talked about, you know, was he going to start? Was he going to come off the bench? But either way, he was going to play a ton. He was going to be, you know, he'd play the equivalent of any starter Mm -hmm. in the league for this Pelicans team just because of the role he was going to have. And yeah, now he'll be a little bit behind the eight ball. So you do start to worry a little bit about what this could mean for this year. I think it was Seth Part now said on Twitter, He's worried it could be a lost season for Trey Murphy. And, and I, I do worry, right, that that could be a thing because I think you know, one of the things that you get concerned about with this type of injury is, is this one where he gets back, but then he plays five games, misses five games, you know, plays 10 games, is out for, you know, three weeks. Like, like that's what you worry about with, with this. So, you know, I, I'm hopeful that this is all it is, right? And we see him, you know, in, in November and he's back and he's playing and doing well. Um, But history tells us it, it could sometimes not necessarily go that way. Like Cam Johnson missed a ton of last year, but then did get back and, and played at the end of the year and seemed to be all right. So I'm um, hopeful for the best here, but I, I am very nervous about this one. Yeah. Yeah. This is, uh, this is not good. Not what we want to hear to start to see that. Unfortunately, it's just a reality in sports that we do have injuries and, Things like that happen, but certainly not what we want to see, especially for a Pelicans team that is extremely talented when they can stay healthy. That's always been their issue, and here it is again. All right, um, Shane Gildas-Alexander doing some fantastic things for for Team Canada and uh, may be sticking around in, in OKC. Recent report says that opposing GMs are no longer looking at SGA as a player who will ask out of the Thunder. You know, the Thunder, our team, you followed us on Lakers Nation. We did a whole breakdown of the Western Conference. I'm very, very high on OKC. They are near the top of my league pass list of teams that I, I have to catch on league pass. I love the way this team plays, the energy that they play with, and I can't wait to see what they look like now that they are getting healthier. But uh, Shea Gildas-Alexander, maybe he will ultimately wind up staying in OKC, certainly one of the young rising stars in today's NBA. Yeah, and this came out of Sam Amick uh, on the Athletic. Did kind of a, uh, it was it was fun. I think it's kind of where we're all at a little bit. Like, hey, let's just I'm gonna write about the NBA and just mm-hmm. some stuff I have thoughts on, which is is kind of fun because I think everybody's just kind of getting back, right? Like, like my my fun thing beyond the obviously great must listen NBA front office podcast my podcast feed starting to fill up with NBA shows again, which I'm very mm-hmm. excited about. Cause you know, I spend quite a lot of time in the car uh, each day uh, driving around to various things. So that's, that's my listen. So, um, so we're getting this kind of stuff. And one of the things uh, Sam Amick wrote about was when an SGA signed his extension with the thunder, it obviously a bunch of fans said, cool. So he's just going to ask for a trade and you know, did whatever random timeline they put on it. And, but, there were a lot of NBA executives who were like, yeah, he's taking the money and then he's going to ask out out of there. And now he's saying they've improved so rapidly with so much more, very easy to envision improvement coming and still a ton of draft picks and flexibility and all that stuff. He's like, he's that now that hope is gone that he'll ever ask for a trade, which is, mm. I always thought that was pretty premature and kind of silly anyway. Cause I was like, yeah. I assumed he signed that extension knowing they were rebuilding, but yeah, man, I'm, I'm, this is great, and I, you're absolutely spot on on it. I cannot wait to watch that Thunder team yeah. with Chad Holmgren and all this stuff. What my hope is, again, this is a very selfish thing. We're done with the Thunder doing those nights where it's 
okay, we're going to sit everybody and play a bunch yeah. of random dudes tonight. Or, all right, you know, uh, Jalen Williams has started every game, but now he's going to come off the bench tonight. We're going to start Jeremiah Robinson Earl just because. And I, I just, I think they're past that in their team kind of growth arc now. Mm-hmm. It, like, is it their, their playoff contender? So I'm hopeful we're past that. Because selfishly, you catch them on the wrong night. And it's kind of like, uh, I will say though, even on the wrong night, good, you know, putting that in quotes, uh, Mark Dignall has that team ready to play. And he does. They, you know, no matter who's out there, they're they're going to give you the business, even if they're sitting guys. So, yo, know, you, you got to go in, you know, ready to go and prepared to play a real game. But, you know, seeing this full team together, man, they're 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 fun. A lot, a lot of different ways they can play, a lot of stuff, and getting Chad Holmgren in the mix just so much better, even you know, with him in there. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, last thing we've got for today, Anthony Davis. No surprise. Doesn't want to play too many minutes at the center position. Uh, Rob Palenka Maybe he talked, will for Team USA. <laughs> he may need to. Um, but uh, Rob Palenka talked about this during way back during Summer League, which feels like a lifetime ago. Talked about how they were you know, envisioning maybe Jackson Hayes playing alongside AD, and we all kind of you know, rolled our eyes and said, said well, is that, they're not really going to do that. But um, the sentiment was, if you read between the lines, that maybe that's kind of pacifying ad who the lakers wanted to sign to an extension the next month um and say hey we essentially say we hear you we understand you don't want to spend all of your minutes at center which is basically what he did last season spent like 99 percent of his minutes at center this past season um they've obviously brought in christian wood they've got jackson hayes there will be some opportunities for anthony davis to not play the center spot but uh he's also still gonna have to play quite a bit quite a bit of center that's that's still going to happen yeah, we talked about this with the Grisham Wood signing where some of this is the trickle-down piece because if he's playing at the four, that means LeBron has to play the three, which right. is not necessarily his best position anymore. <clears throat> that probably takes you know a potential shooter out of the lineup, maybe you know if, if, if you're just sliding everybody down. And that, that becomes a little bit of a challenge. I think there was additional reporting that uh, Rui Hachimura is going to start. So if Rui yeah. Hachimura is going to start, well, then obviously he's going to have to play the five because uh, LeBron's not playing the two. Like we, we know those days are long since gone. And I get it for everybody's like, well, you know, LeBron's really the point guard. I, I That's get offense. It. It, yeah. Position positions, matters on defense. Exactly. Positions are really about who you defend. His mm-hmm. offensive role is yes. He's their primary initiator, creator, whatever you want to call it. We all recognize that, but he is not LeBron James is not chasing Jamal Murray around screens, you know, and navigating, you know, uh, pick and rolls like that, you know, 50, 80 times a game. It's just not happening anymore. So I think, yeah, I mean, he's going to have to play the five. Their best lineups will be with him at the five. I think we all know that. I think it would behoove the Lakers to play him at the four some when you mm-hmm. can. If you play a team, you're playing the Minnesota Timberwolves. You Has can to be play the right matchup. The yep. Yo, yeah, it's got to, you know, you're playing the Thunder. Probably not, right? Like, because because then that means LeBron's chasing around a wing, and AD's spending a lot of time defending out on the perimeter, which I guess is kind of the idea here. It was funny when this came out. I saw some people saying, like, "Why does he care? Like, there's no there's no Hakeem Olajuwon or Shaq who's going to back him down and put him in the goal, like you know it used to be in the old days." True, there, there's not a lot of guys like that. Embiid will do that a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Jokic will do that some for sure. The big problem is when he plays the five, most teams still run some version of a of a one five or a two five or a three five pick and roll. Yeah. 
mm-hmm. where the center is the screener. That means he has to get out there, hedge on the perimeter. The Lakers generally don't do a ton of switching. They, they do a lot of contain and then get back to your man type defensive stuff. So he's going to help up there, recover to his man, get back there. And it just puts a lot of stuff on him. He's got to then defend from 35 feet out all the way back to the goal because they don't play another rim protector with him very yep. rarely. So that turns into and puts a lot of just mileage on him. Yeah, it, yeah, Shaq is not out there banging in Anthony Davis and putting him in the fifth row as he turns and dunks. That's not happening. Fully get that. But it's just the mileage of it. When you're the only rim protector on the floor most of the time, that means you're the one who's challenging the shots. Even, even if you're great at it, which he is, you're still taking those hits. And you're, yep. you're taking that contact. Even when you get the block. They're generally taking a hit to the midsection and things like that. I'm sure Anthony Davis is looking at it and saying, like, man, I'd, I would like to play 65, 70, 75 games. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to be able to if I need to do 35, 40 minutes a night playing center. It's just not going to happen. All, all that you're saying is spot on. I'll add on to that. One of the, the great things about Anthony Davis defensively is he can destroy worlds when he's allowed to just be a roamer. Right, he's got that seven-six wingspan. If he's not acting as the last line of defense, where he has to be kind of tethered back there to the basket, where he's always got to have in his mind, like, "Hey, I got to go protect the rim." If he can be out there destroying passing lanes, interrupting everything, that's where he can really be a difference maker. It's like we saw in the playoffs; the Lakers didn't have him defend Jaron Jackson Jr. one-on-one draft. They had him defend somebody else, Xavier Tillman, someone like that, and then come over. When you can get away with more of that style of play that allows Anthony Davis to cover up for a lot of other players. And also you can have rim protection as a weak side shot blocker. Yep. And that requires a lot less contact than, uh Oh, here's even if it's John Morant, he's coming a hundred miles an hour down the paint and I got to jump straight up and he's going to slam into me. Even if it's not a big being able to be a weak side rim protector takes that contact off of you as well. So All of those things are reasons why Anthony Davis doesn't really want to have to play the center all the time. But I do think the Lakers are going to be at their best when he's playing the center position. So during the regular season, sure, if you can get through it with him not having to take on that mileage, not having to deal with the contact, great. That's probably in everybody's best interest. Come playoff time, when the games matter, he's going to be playing the five. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. It's, you know, my thought would be in the really important regular season games, if you can get through and then still close each half last three minutes of the first half, last five minutes of the game with AD at the five, you're probably fine. You know, not enough should go wrong throughout the rest of the game where those become completely meaningless minutes. So I, I, I think that's it. And then, yeah, I think in the big playoff matchups, you, you know, you have that to go to. And part of that too is the roster balance they've created, right? You have other mm-hmm. options because last year at the beginning of last season, there wasn't really other good options because, yeah, I mean, you I guess you could have played like Damian Jones, but the rest of your roster was such a mess because everybody was a you know six foot four shooting guard, like you were kind of stuck in like it's got to be him at the five all the time. So, so I think there's you know whether it's Jared Vanderbilt, Rui Hachimura, um, now Christian Wood. You have other ways you can play that are slightly different. Jackson Hayes, I, I kind of have my doubts on Jackson Hayes. We'll see. Yeah. I, you know, I was a big believer in him early on, and he just kind of then never got there, kind of stagnated. So, you know, we'll see. But I, I think, you know, I think you have other options you can go to, which are good. Um, 
the the stuff about Hachimura starting, I mean, it's semi interesting. You know, it, it makes some sense. I think, you know, personally, I kind of like Jared Vanderbilt there. Yeah. But I get that then you have shooting concerns because AD hasn't shot it well, and now you, LeBron's kind of come and go with a jump shot. So now you're putting a lot on Reeves and probably Russell as the other two starters of who's going to hit shots and those things. So I, I get I get that part of it, but you know, if, again, if the goal is we got to play somebody else, play some of the more rugged five minutes, probably got to be Vanderbilt because no one else is really necessarily set up to do it. And this all ties into what we talked about a little bit with Team USA, and that's Austin Reeves. He's if you go to the advanced, you look at the eye test, it tells you, and you look at the advanced stats, and they tell you he can defend twos and threes, no problem. He's a good, not great, but good defender in those situations. If you're asking him to defend quick point guards, you're asking him to do something that's outside of his wheelhouse. Just like yep. if you're asking him to defend a five, you wouldn't you wouldn't want to ask him to do that. Yep. If the Lakers roster has Rui Hachimura in it. There's really no choice but Austin. It's not going to be D'Angelo Russell unless Gabe Vincent beats out D'Lo for that for that spot in the Lakers starting backcourt. Um, you're going to be asking Austin Reeves to defend the likes of, of Jaw and players like that um, unless it is Jared Vanderbilt that starts over Rui. But then, like you said, then you've got the issue of the shooting. So it's a matter of balancing things out, and that's that's going to be one of Darvin Ham's tasks to figure out this season. How do you How do you put together the best lineup that's going to work? I the money says it should be Rui. He's the one getting paid more. So it wouldn't shock me if that's what it is. But um we'll see. We'll see. I do think the Lakers are gonna try to mix in some extra bigs though to get Anthony Davis out of the center spot when I, I, appropriate. I think that's probably still the number one item on the to-do list, even after adding Christian Wood, is hey, we're gonna keep everything kind of open all season long. And if there's a big that pops that we really think fits. And mm-hmm. AD can play the four with a bit with another big. Great. Like <clears throat> as silly as it may sound, because they'd never get him because he's, you know, locked in with Milwaukee. But a guy like Brooke Lopez, who can yep. really be the five defensively and can spread the floor a little bit with his shooting, that's you know, definitely somebody I think you would be very happy to go get if you could. And and I say that saying this is coming from the guy who used to rip Celtics fans when they were like, they need a Chris Paul type. And I'm like, there's one Chris Paul. Like there's not, you know, 10 Chris Pauls running around. There's not 10 Brooke Lopez's, right? Or their teams already have them. So, so that's where, you know, but that becomes, again, this was the brilliance of the Westbrook trade, just using that. And this was something I hammered on for months. I was like, Kyrie's not the move. With that contract, the move is go get three, four guys. Yep. They rebalance the roster so well with that trade and then re-signing kind of the key guys that they did. Now you have a lot of different options going into this season, which is really good. Um, it's it's like as much as it saddens me, because I would like to see the Lakers go like 10 and 62 and or 10 <laughs> and 72, and you'll know, be horrible. Um, yeah. Like you have to feel better going into this season about where this roster is than last year by you know ten oh, yeah. hundred fold. Yeah, absolutely. Be- because last year was like, all right, well, we know AD's gonna start, we know mm-hmm. LeBron's gonna start. Kind of I think most people thought at least at the beginning of the year, Russ will probably start. Then it's which of the what what are there two of the twenty-five shooting guards on the roster? And now obviously I'm exaggerating, but no, not too much. We'll start alongside those guys. Now it's like, all right, even, you know, if there are some questions about a spot or two, 
at least they're guys who make sense in the positions they're in. And, and it's just the roster balance is really good. I just think I want AD to recognize you playing the four is not just about you. It's about what happens to everybody else on the roster yep. too, because that's where it is. And my guess is when it push comes to shove, they'll get there and they'll figure it out. And yeah, we're the reality is like you said, where he's going to play plenty of five. Yeah. They're I mean, be, you know, does it start that way? You know, we've seen a lot of really good teams start a center, pull them out, you know, at the first TV timeout. Used to be at the first TV timeout, like five minutes in. Now yeah. it's sometimes halfway through the first quarter, but they play the opening five or six minutes of each half and you never see them again. A lot of teams have done that over the years and very, very good teams. Maybe that's where the Lakers find that balance if they could get a guy like that. Yeah, it's uh, we saw occasionally with CJ Vail McGee, Dwight Howard, and that type of a role in the past. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. And yes, the, this Lakers roster definitely much, much better than the one in terms of balance than when we saw last season. We literally went into last season saying this this roster is put together for a Russell Westbrook. Like it makes no sense with Russell Westbrook on the roster. The, the only the big question was can they tread water until they find a trade? And that was that was it. Just hang on. Just keep yourself in the mix until you can find a trade. And uh, ultimately, it worked out for them. But uh, but yes, definitely roster makes way more sense right now than it did last year. Not close, that's for sure. Yeah, I want to throw in one quick thing. We didn't have it here. And this is uh -huh. just just more more for, for the Lakers uh, fans that watch the show, which we know is a lot of our audience. Um, the Exhibit 10 guys that they signed, oh, yeah. I think probably the one nobody really knows um, is Vincent Valerio Badone. Mm -hmm. This kid's interesting he's young ish he's only 22 um he has not played super high level he's played um in various pro leagues in hungary um but last year took real steps forward as, as a player and, and to to give a little bit of background he's six foot nine kind of three four combo forward kind of guy last season he jumped up to 41 percent from three on about three and a half attempts per game which is starting to get into the range of like, all right, that's interesting. Yeah. Over a hundred attempts for the season shot over 50% from the field. Now more than half of his shots did come from three. So he did. I'm not going to say a specialist, but he kind of trended in that direction. He can play a little bit of defense. He's a pretty decent athlete he performed really well. Um, and they, they, the, kind of second division of the European under 20 and under 18 um, tournaments. Um, as far as a score, he was a little miscast in the U20 in 2021. Um, he was kind of playing as the, their primary scoring option. And he had to do a lot more off the dribble than I think he was ready for and comfortable with the year before he had a little bit more help, played more of a reasonable role, but at least interesting to monitor. And I think if he's signing this late, he's probably going to the G league. Um, the, yeah. the, maybe, maybe, maybe he outplays somebody and steals a two-way spot. I know the Lakers have all three signed right now. Sometimes teams will make a late shuffle. Um, but we'll see with, with, uh, with Valerio Badone. I just wanted to throw that out there because I know not a lot of people have probably looked at him and I had a chance to catch him. He popped. And the reason I knew, cause he played for the Celtics summer league team. Uh, mm -hmm. in a game this year. So I had a chance to check him out there. He actually played well in the one game he played for Boston and Las Vegas. So just wanted to throw that in here at the end. A little, little, little present for you before you go on vacation. I, I do appreciate that. And and now that you mentioned it, I am indeed going on vacation next week. Ron Gutterman will be filling in for me here on the NBA front office show. Going to go take a little bit of family time and then get ready 
for training camp and the season to start up. So exciting times. <laughs> With that, thank you everybody for joining us. Make sure you do subscribe right here to the NBA Front Office Show on YouTube as well as the podcast feed over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is you listen to podcasts. Till next time, everybody. See you and stay safe. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.